one. Repeat, can you hear me? Over. You're listening to Track One. I'm Mark. I'm Keith. I'm Pete. And I'm a semi-detached late 1990s Barrett-style TARDIS for this episode. Uh, and windows that don't match. <laughs> I'm Colin, hello. So, uh, timeless children, let's set course for Gallifrey and talk about the Series 12 finale. Let's do it. So we all spoke uh, towards the beginning of Series 12. Uh, since then, what, what, what have been our thoughts and highlights, Colin? I think it's been good. Uh, it's definitely, as we, you know, I think most people agree, better than Series 11. Um, it's obviously kicked into a high gear, and we just got a ton of surprises. Probably because our expectations were kind of low, <laughs> but we didn't we didn't expect Fugitive of the Jadoon to be any more than it was, or um, the haunting of. Do pre what's it? Um, so yeah, it's good. It's uh, it's I think it's a good solid season, um, it, but it's not kind of at the heights, sort of series four or series whatever five or ten. Do you know? Mm-hmm. What do you think? I just think it's a shame that we didn't have this sort of quality story after the. Um, Impact of Ladder Woman Who Fell to Earth. We had such a good ratings for that. There was a kind of um, vibe of people wanted to watch it again, and then people fell away. I think if it had this quality of story in season eleven, I think uh, the series might be in a slightly better position than it possibly is now. In terms of ratings, or yeah, just in terms of ratings. I think the, uh, the quality is the, the ratings show. things just like the change in viewing habits. Oh, entirely, yeah. Yeah, because I yeah. think although the, the the ratings are low, they're low across the board, aren't they, for um, for all TV series? Mm. Um, it's just I've got not wee friends who saw the woman who fell to earth. I enjoyed it, then turn up the next week, and and then they have stopped watching it now. Mm. And I think it's a pity they didn't catch those those audience members maybe then. Yeah, because the beauty is now with uh, these are all available on the iPlayer for the foreseeable future, aren't they? That the way that things are watched now and consumed is. Uh, somebody over a weekend might just think, oh, yeah, I'll go back to that and, and be able to watch them. For some reason, I finished watching Doctor Who, then it wants me to watch something like Mary Berry Dialect afterwards. So I cannot <laughs> see the connection on that, but never. That's, that's not a connection to Doctor Who. It just knows you. You're, you're uh, being there. You've, it's got an algorithm on you. I mean, I don't really like cooking. It can't be. Season, season 11 was a huge blast of, uh, of fresh air to me. And so... Uh, uh, this this is just built on that for me. I've, I've I've really had a good I've had a good ten weeks with this series. Obviously, it's never quite reached the heights of all from fifty five oh, again. Oh God! Uh, like, <laughs> can't scale the same mountain peak twice. Uh, it's gone off in other directions. When, when you say mountain, do you mean mm. ravine? Old, <laughs> yes. Um, uh, but hey, uh, um, Ian Ravine, maybe. But. Um, <laughs> Horses, courses. Not everyone's cup of tea is everyone else's cup of tea. Um, but um, no, the still, best thing about Orphan Fifty Five is is just you defending it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did a tweet like halfway through it because I had to pause to go get my dinner out of the oven. I was like, "This is so awesome!" And then I came back and like to, after finished watching it, I put the telly on and it was I put Twitter on. It's like, "Oh, that doesn't seem to have been the universal appraisal." <laughs> there is a lot of that. There, there, there is. I, it's um, it really is the Brexit of um, television at the moment. It, it's it, it's divi- it divides people massively. Like whereas at least, let, let's say we're like we're watching the Capaldi era. Generally, I think it sort of it, it ebbed and flowed a bit more aligned between people liking it or not liking it. Whereas now it's a oh wow you didn't like that at all. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, consensus is a is a, it's like there's a sort of scrabble because we know the old stories mm. and everyone knows the time flights from the caves of Androzanus. But when something's new and fresh, it's like it hasn't it hasn't really landed yet until everyone's yeah. like this. Yeah, it's rewatching for thirty years, and we'll and we'll we'll all agree. Uh, <laughs> and then Doctor Who magazine will run a poll, um, and we'll be fine. I wish I had only just been watching it for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's, the, the internet's probably changed that as well because there's more communication between fans potentially now in greater numbers anyway. 
terrible uh, idea. You yes. know, than, than we previously had, you know, where it would be, you know, I guess the letters page of the Doctor Who magazine or um, the uh, Celestial Toy Room or something like that. Yeah. yeah, you know, kind of shaping opinion to some extent and influencing. And 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 this this finale has has definitely been another Marmite um, thing. I think that's the impression I've got. Yeah, it's fairly polarizing. I think, isn't it? No, I'm genuinely surprised about that. Nearly everybody in my timeline's loved it. So yeah, maybe I've just wheeled them out as the as the uh, season's gone on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, could well be. So what what did we think going into this? Uh, I didn't really expect a big revelation. I thought it would be along the lines of the name of the doctor where we, you know, it was, because if you remember the, uh, the preamble before that, it teased that we potentially would learn the doctor's name, uh, but then didn't. And I, I was kind of expecting not really a revelation out of this. So uh, I think the, um, the impact of that was, was all the greater for that. I said, well, I mean, it's back to this point of our expectations were low, um, perhaps. And the, because of Series 11, and because it was quite straightforward and quite self-contained, whereas he's just kicked it into a higher gear. I mean, in, in, in fairness, right, the name of the Doctor doesn't live up to its name uh, and didn't do what it says on the tin, mm-hmm. whereas this, right, this is the whole crux of the whole thing. It, it does transform canon. And so this, this attempt by Chris Chibnall to add the Doctor's origin story is a really bold and brave one. Whether or not it was needed is another thing. But what, but there's some really interesting stuff in here, like what is um, what was the Doctor doing before she became William Hartnell? What is the division? Um, she was just reading Tom Clancy books, whatever. Um, the what what does it all mean? Where is she from? And I, and I was, I was worried that we would get something that I, I mean, you, we all did the predictions thing, like the hilarious incorrect predictions <laughs> podcast the other day. Um, that I, I, you know, I thought that the, all those, the last remaining humans would have been sent back through time and would have started Gallifrey in society. And the master was found it horrific because he realized they were sort of augmented humans um, which I still think is a brilliant and genius storyline by me, but no, it, it that's terrible. It, it's but that she is still special, um, and we don't know her origin. It it just depends how it all ends, or if it doesn't. Um, I, I think it was bold, if a little bit of a um, slightly. Chris Chibnall is the remix artist. He's the person that takes a really good four minute track uh or eight minute track of you know um uh, electronica and just adds a whole bunch of really good things like the cybermen battles are big and bold and the cybermen are really well designed but he has to rely on the original um you know that that kind of thing and it becomes um like an extrapolation uh an improvement on original or existing things it's still good but like he's the J.J. Abrams yeah. of Doctor Who. <laughs> could be. Yeah, it's a good... De- definitely could be the lens flare. <laughs> definitely the lens flare. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm starting to think I had cataracts at some points during this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was like watching someone shining a torch in your, in your eyes. But, but that's clearly just stylistic choices for spaciness, because as soon as they get back down to uh, to Sheffield, it goes. Mm-hmm. But um, Sheffield, I think. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> there is no Sheffield. It was blown up in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think it's interesting about because season with with because I, I sort of agree particularly about the, the thing about Chibnall being uh, really into the, the the mythos and the structure of old Doctor Who probably in a way more than even his predecessors were and yet last year he was just holding all of that in because we did a whole year of, of and it was like someone who it was like doing dry January I reckon for him he was like, <laughs> wasn't actually giving up alcohol he just stopped and he hated every minute of it but he kind of went through and came up with alternatives and gorged himself on chocolates and things and, and, and 12 this... bottles of jack daniels really <laughs> and yes and then this year it's just like right everything and kind of drink the bar dry yeah he's father jack this year isn't he <laughs> yeah that's right so do we think the master was telling the truth 
Great question. Great question. I would love it if in two years' time, another twist is that the Matrix was fake. He was He's just out for psychological revenge uh, to really just, like, fuck with their mind. Um, I mean, it's not... It's not good in the sense that you'd undo all that canon you've just tried to reestablish um, as a as a clever beast. But if it is that well crafted, then uh, then that's if it does turn out to be a lie, that's that's a great plot twist as well. I just don't think he'd do it. I think he's too linear um, a little bit. Mm. Chris Chibnall, Broadchurch seasons one, two, and three are very. I mean, God, it's Broadchurch. No time travel and stuff. Um, but there's, you know, uh, but there is someone that there is um, people jumping off cliffs onto beaches, um, which was in the last episode. But Did um, land the same way around as when they jumped, because I noticed that didn't happen last week. <laughs> when he jumped, when he fell off the cliff, he, he was he was falling back with his head away from the cliff, and then he landed with his head. Sorry, that's is a boring thing. To say. No, I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. Maybe well, maybe that's the answer. What that's happened true. on the way down? Is there an alternative? No. Yeah. Uh, There's a big yeah, so series my, on the that, way down. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I mean, why would the uh, Time Lords redact all the bit about the division, then keep the darkest, dirty secret about the Doctor yeah. like, available for everybody to see? How so, would the Master not hack that? Yeah, but I mean, he couldn't hack the rest, so why would that be, be, be the bit he could get at? So maybe he has staged that. Maybe, but I do like I, I, I like it kind of being... I prefer it to be real because if, if anything just gets magically undone, I was like, oh no, that didn't really happen. Mm. Uh, I always feel cheated. I mean, and Moffat yeah. did that within the same story. Yeah. Uh, because they're in an eternal like, timeline. I'm right. I'm right. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> <laughs> Since it happened in episode two of Delta and the Bannermen, when the doctor hid in that airing cupboard, he accidentally went through a gateway into another dimension, <laughs> and everything since then has not been real. There. Well, at least right, it's the that, mind robber, anyway. <laughs> I'm still in shock hearing that. Because <laughs> it, it's interesting because if it's, it's, these sort of things come along, and it's interesting, I think, that, that Chibnall's picked out the like the, uh, the the scene from The Brain of Morbius where there are previous incarnations of the Doctor, which is, uh, I mean, you see that, that flashed up about three times, I think, when the Doctor's trying to overload the Matrix. Because obviously that, that, that's an influence, and it feels like the Cartman Master Plan is a huge influence as well. The, um, well, it's a deleted scene, but, you know, in the um, Remnants of the Daleks, when it's like... Much more than just a time rule. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like they're the bits that generally we've... Um, as a fandom, uh, chosen to ignore for a number of years and thought, oh, uh, like the Doctor Half Human thing, um, we just kind of collectively said, no, that isn't right. Um, uh, or, you know, with the brain of Morbius, decided that they were previous incarnations of Morbius, but that's clearly not the intention from the script or direction or anything else. Uh, it's interesting he's picked those bits out, and, you know, given the longevity of the show, and, and you know, it could continue exactly. for many, many more years. This could be become like this in the long run and something that's sort of quietly dropped like a paradigm Dalek in the future. <laughs> I think I think you're right in the sense, like, we've had no other show like it that's lasted so long. Mm-hmm. And they were making it up as they went along in terms of Gallifrey, Time Laws, Regenerations, Morbius, etc. It's never going to be internally consistent. You get to choose as a fan whether or not you can cope with that or you can just say like bits of big finish. You say, well, actually, you know, I I like watching the new series of Doctor Who, but actually I prefer the classic series and um, uh, the big finish world. Uh, And that's different and inconsistent, but uh, that's the, it's the happy place I want to be in. It's just a huge franchise that's just going off and um, repeating itself or reinventing itself um, but if it if it keeps doing stuff like this, it perhaps becomes a bit a bit crazy. Um, yeah, I mean you can't compare the the, the, the fascinating comparison is with Star Trek. I think that you know where you've got Gene Roddenberry who just created this idea and created a canon, and everything else comes out of that. The same with Sherlock Holmes and. But, but Gene Roddenberry wouldn't have lasted more than a year as producer of Doctor Who. Then he would have just got rotated off to do the Sunday serial and someone else would have taken over. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's got that churn of creative people who are desperate to do their own creative thing with it. So, yeah, the idea of even having a canon within all of the series that we're watching on TV is it, it, it breaks the rules that, that most other franchises set for their canons year by year. I suppose 
Chibnall, in a way, broken the you know because um, Russell T. Davies sort of like had his ideal season in his head, and so did uh, Moffat. And he seems to have, like spread his out longer in a way, hasn't he? It's like his vision of Doctor Who has been extended because I suppose he's had all these ideas for the, um, the, the division mm. and everything like that in his head. That must have been brewing in his head for years. But he's sort of like shown restraint in how he's dealt with it, which is, and I imagine he's got like a third year planned ahead as well to use that as a concept because obviously yeah. they wouldn't have been highlighting it so much that just have it disappear now. Is he the first new series showrunner to know for definite that he's got five years for definite? Like, as in, previously, I think it was commissioned year upon year, wasn't it? I think David's had a couple of years ahead of him, didn't he, after the success of the first one? Because he got, like, two Christmas specials and yeah. guaranteed and two seasons, maybe. I think um, season five was definitely the BBC thinking, we'll give it another go, wasn't it? So I don't think Moffat yeah. did it first. Mm. But then we don't know what all, like, I mean, the current series is going to survive because it's pre-ordered by other countries, isn't it? Yeah. So we don't know if that was the case for them as well. Mm. Yeah, that's the, re- that's the real metric of the, of the show's success now. It is not UK ratings of 3.94 million. It's what, what are the pre-order sales for export, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, relates to numbers, but uh, they, if they can commission it. And it is, I think, you know, it's paid for by multiple TV providers around the world as well. It isn't, again, it's not just this world where, you know, BBC Television Centre, Woodlane, W, whatever, is the only entity making it or producing it or funding it. It's uh, a mixture, I think. Is that, is that true? It's still true? It's definitely Canada was funding it for a while. But anyway, we're in that world. Yeah, um, it's not as direct as it, as it has been, but, but the, you know, yeah, it's a huge, it's a big money maker as it always has been. But that's and that's more they're more upfront about that now, aren't they? Or at least the, the BBC understands that now in a way it never did in the past. Have I dreamt it? Or has China not like bought it as well? I think it that's China. been a big. Um, I think that's been a big reason for the, the five years thing, isn't it? I think it was a bit of a kind of big boost to cash. That's great. Yeah. 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 I mean, but then I mean, if literally nobody was watching it, they could pull out of that deal. I'm sure it's not. It's yeah, not like exactly. it's just not. And Chip Chip will just sit there and, and do a puppet show for an hour and keep them on. I suspect there is a line that could be crossed, so we can't be complacent. But we can certainly be more confident than, than in most times that, that we're going to get more Doctor Who. Mm. Definitely. So, guys, the Cybermasters, um, were they, to me, sorry, they were, to me, it just reminded me of Fatos. <laughs> <laughs> to me, they reminded me of, um, of French and Saunders doing dangerous liaisons. With the dang- that's, I just think they should have pulled out hands. That would have been the, the best. They had a liaison, a liaison with a porcupine. Both dead um, to me. I thought they were brilliant. I absolutely adored them. I thought those campus tits. I thought they were wonderful. <laughs> I wanted one of those masks in my sitting room wall. It would look brilliant there. So. <laughs> no, they're definitely my favorite. I mean, it's the master's creation, and he's hardly the. Um, most tasteful of people, is he? So it kind of makes sense. If they'd invented themselves, then no, but they are his no, that's a good point. Is this Cybermen spiced with the same DNA as Eric Roberts? Exactly, they are true. dressing for the occasion. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they all dress. And I still want one in my living room. It would dress. <laughs> but also, I, I've got to say how much I love the, um, the, the Cyber Warrior designs, the harking back to the invasion ones. Yeah, they so elegant and sleek, and then they come running at you with their fortunately really bad aim, uh, mm. and um, uh, which is a, a godsend because they, they miss every single. I don't think they actually. Sorry, they did shoot one person. And yeah. and spiky shoulders. They look fantastic, and they I can imagine do. being really scared. I was a kid. I think March. the Cybermen. Uh, I mean, the last few times we've had Cybermen, apart from the world of the world, I'm thinking of James Bond titles now. The world is not enough, and time, whatever. Uh, the the Capaldi finale wouldn't be the, they be, I just haven't liked them. It's like I didn't like them in the season two 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 parters. I didn't like them in Nightmare in Silver. I just thought they run around. They just walk around really slowly, going delete. Whereas the Ashad character was super interesting, and uh, they were building to something, and then uh, the 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 Cybermen were, were proper scary and were running around. Uh, you know, and they can like act like Terminators, like um, versus you know slow-moving, boring robots. I thought the 
that was done well. I liked the cyber heads to a certain extent. I loved the cyber spaceship. It looked out like it was out of Alien. But the, the, the way the master just tissue compression, uh, tissue compression eliminated, the, uh, I can't speak tonight, the um, Ashad was brilliant but a waste. Um, oh, I it was shocking. Yeah. And, and because that's not what we're used to. And we are used to a big thing like that, having Murray Gold building us up to a big crescendo in a very particular way of delivering a moment like that in Modern Who. And, and for them to not do that, it did make me give a little a, a little gasp of, um, I don't know, I enjoyed it. But this is why the master's so well written this time. And so well, so well acted, of course, so well, well played. But just easy that, on the eye, don't forget that. Very easy on the eye. Oh, absolutely. Mm. The guy... <laughs> The guy, people. I think some people have said, and I'm going to agree with that, that he's the best since Delgado, in my view. Oh. Yeah. So, I, but, so yeah, I used to say that about um, I used to say that about Missy, but now, uh, yeah, I think you could be right. Yeah. I mean, I, I do love a bit of Jeffrey Beavers, especially on audio. Mm. Um, the, he's you know the voice, the evil voice, and Derek Jacobi. Uh, but in terms of chaotic nature. Um, unpredictable, manic laughing, proper proper mad. Uh, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. And not changing his mind at the last minute and the, throwing the switch to reverse his plan as well, which is quite handy. Yeah. yeah, did you think, did you think um, Keith, that, that's making, reminded me that I, I thought that at one point he's going to just think, uh, oh no, this is all going out of hand, my lines with the Cybermen, I'm going to have to team up with the Doctor now to defeat them. That was... His plan getting out of hand thing is, is is what we've come to expect the master to almost always do, mm. and for him to not do that, for him to just for him to just kill the guy, and and seize the Siberian was um, a, a real unexpected mm. plot, an actual plot twist, not just a revelation. There is a real a bit of an over reliance on revelations to be the big dramatic thing. It's this, it's him, it's the Jadoon, whatever. Mm. Um, so it's quite nice having a the plot suddenly taking a sharp turn that you're not expecting. Uh, like suddenly one of your main characters has just been zapped. Yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen him back because he was such an interesting character. But you're right, it was it was a total shock there. Um, and just go back to the what you're saying about the design of the Cybermen. Seeing them out in the open on location, uh, I thought they looked amazingly good at that. And it really reminded me of the Five Doctors. Yes, I was going to say that. <laughs> when they're uh, patrolling around the death zone. Uh, I thought they looked fantastic when they come over the brow of the hill behind Ryan after he's celebrating blowing some of them up um, that look, I, I kind of for a second was quite worried about him um, it was that kind of moment of, uh, of celebration and then they appear and they're kind of out of focus really really well done I thought um, but the uh, Cyber Masters um, remind me of um, a special uh, comic strip special run I think it's like um, got it here it's a five part one by George Mann and Kevin Scott called Supremacy of the Cybermen, uh, which is set after Hell Bent, um, and it's uh, Rassilon uh, from that comes back having teamed up with the Cybermen, uh, and in a similar way you've got Cybermen, uh, Time Lord hybrids, um, so you've got right. sort of uh, Rassilon with the uh, the sort of thing, the kind of electronic kind of growths on his face, and he's got the um, like the Iron Man circle on his chest. This is what I mean about. Chris Chibnall being perhaps this great remix artist mm. that, that can take things, and I'm, I'm not saying he listed it, I don't think we're saying he listed it necessarily, but the, the, that's, that's a, you know, give it, given X number of typewriters and X number of time, you would come up with that. Yeah. Um, but it was, I think Lance Parkin posted something on Facebook. He, he wrote Cold Fusion and the Infinity Doctors, and he said, so, you know, I don't think he was being uh, anything more than just FYI, at least on the surface, saying uh, you should listen to Cold Fusion or read it, um, but it, it involved a story around the Doctor having a, a secret past and um, all these things, and same with the Infinity Doctors. So, uh, again, you know, it's, uh, it's almost inevitable that we, if you want to do an origin story and a canon story, you could this this kind of thing would be high up on that as a as a plot. Yeah. This sort of comes from the same place as well of of kind of mashing up the iconography 
of the show of of having like the Time Lord kind of symbols and collars, mm. uh, you know, kind of with with the Cybermen. Because the other great thing about Supremacy of Cybermen is in the the ongoing runs for the other Doctors that uh, that Titan were publishing at the time, at the back of each comic they would have a little teaser running up to this with the older Doctors. So you'd have there was a K nine who'd been um, turned into a Cyber K nine. So it was K nine. <laughs> But with the, with the ears of um, with the ears of a Cyberman and yeah. loads of really cool stuff, and then um, Cyber Chumblies. <laughs> yeah. So, so all that kind of stuff. And it comes from that idea of, of taking all that kind of really familiar imagery and uh, just playing with it like that. So. Uh, but I've recently been listening to uh, Dark Universe as well, uh, which is the Seventh Doctor big finish, oh, yeah. where the Eleven um, who's uh, a brilliant villain I think the big finish you come up with is uh, an evil time lord takes over Gallifrey uh, and brings the Cybermen in as his army or, or henchmen as well does seem to be quite familiar doesn't it yeah. I'm amazed to let them get that through because I mean once upon a time they wouldn't let stories with Queen Victoria through because they were planning on using and stuff like that and now they've got like almost identical plot yeah because you do hear that um, I think they, they basically the production office have final say don't they on, on, the, scripts, on yeah. the novels the big finish the comic strips in case it strays too close uh, to anything I, mean, I suppose that's where the similarity begins and ends but uh, yeah, and I suppose and there's just there is just so much out there that they've started mm. probably maybe it doesn't they aren't so touchy about worrying about there being a spin off Big Finish box set that has something in it similar to one episode in a way that a few years ago it might have seemed a big a much bigger deal because there wasn't so much there. But when now that there's thousands of them, mm. it maybe it's just more um, add it all to the pile, you know. There's a radio Can time I? special as well with the Master and Cybermen as well for the twentieth anniversary. I just remembered that there was a um, the master teamed up with the Cybermen for that, and he'd had Susan in it. So, so basically, we're saying that there's only a few episodes of Doctor Who <laughs> where they don't team up with Cybermen. Basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I can I talk about one scene that re- I really enjoyed, <clears throat> and that was a scene between Yaz and Graham, oh. where he just tells her, he just gives us like a, a huge compliment on just how, how he thinks of her as a person, that she doesn't need a sonic screwdriver, she doesn't need a TARDIS. And I absolutely loved it. The, you know, we've all, I think, you know, the companions are less sort of well-defined as being sort of like um, spit out from history to save the Doctor or, uh, you know, become the mother and father of his future wife or whatever. They're, they're, they're clear-cut normal people um, who are dealing with a situation. And, especially because um, Yaz had that scene a few weeks ago um, where it became clear that she had um, at least contemplated suicide. Um, and I just loved it. I just think it's it, it just her confidence, um, the way it was recognised, the, uh, the way it was talked about subtly. Uh, and it's a subtle plot line with her. You don't, you know, you know she's had trauma and she's had perhaps mental health issues and that she's doing spectacularly well now as a person in her life and um, she's got the confidence to do it. I thought that was a really good way of developing a character um, and uh, spot on. I really resented it. I wanted to see what was inside the Cybermen, so I was, <laughs> I was just going to see them take the goo out, so I just thought, oh no, we don't want this monkish bit, I want to see cyber innards. So, no, I didn't like that bit, I wanted to see cyber innards. <laughs> we missed some good gizzards while we were getting exactly. all that. Exactly, <laughs> oh, I want to see a skull inside a cyber face, I don't want to hear this, oh no, you would because people don't talk like that, so no, I wanted uh, cyber guts. <laughs> I did think it was, I, I, I thought it was funny that, um, for, for years, people have been, um, I believe the phrase is shipping Thasmin. Yeah. Believe, uh, Yasmin and the Doctor are destined to, uh, to to have some kind of romantic involvement, probably because it makes certain people horny to think about it. And, uh, and suddenly <laughs> Graham was going a little bit into some interesting territory. And I was like, is this the beginning of Grasmin as an item? But it was not. It was not. So it was kind of like, he says, you're the best woman I've ever met. It's like, oh. Well, fuck Grace then. All right. um, he's, he's over that at last. Well, he can't now, but, can he? But um, it was no, it was really nice, and I, and and that has been built up over through this year 
I think last year there were hardly any scenes apart from a couple in the uh, Punjab episode. There were hard, there wasn't much connection between Graham and Niaz at all because mm-hmm. they always got they got paired up the other way in, in the other combinations. And this year there's been three or four episodes where they ended up being a, a double act. And, and I think it, it, it's built a nice little thing between them. And it definitely made me think, oh God, she's going to die. She is so dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because when you get when someone gives you a speech in a, in a science fiction adventure where monsters are descending on you and someone turns around and tells you you've grown in amazing ways and everyone should be really proud of you <laughs> I, I would definitely <laughs> I don't think already signed next year's contract before before delivering those lines I don't think I don't think Chris Chibnall will kill any of the companions I don't think he's that cynical um, and uh, it, it's it, it's kind of kind of unnecessary you know i think they'll they'll all leave in a kind of um janet fielding and resurrection of the daleks kind of way going i've had enough of this shit <laughs> um, so that, that's i think you know there'll be kind of like there'll be some moment where it was too close to the wire um and they're they're tired and they've had a good time but they they, they want to sort of retire from it maybe yeah, I can see that, and and and, I, and they are, it's just nice that they're all human. I, I mean, that's uh, racist, Pete. Come on, <laughs> I, was, I, was going to, I immediately want to correct myself, but I mean, they're, they're all they're ordinary people. It doesn't matter; they could be a blue fish and still exactly. be an ordinary person. Well, after after a procession of companions who are mysterious, multi-dimensional yes. things, all uh, turned into Cybermen. So. <laughs> At least they've avoided yeah, that way. Yeah, so it's it's nice it's nice that they are ordinary people. Yeah, decent people. As well. The uh, the effects in this episode, some of the some of the shots with the cyber ship landing on the ruins of the city. Yeah, and then the flashback we got to uh, the Time Lord Citadel being built. Oh, that was brilliant! I love that. Were so good. Some of the some of the best stuff probably we've seen uh, effects wise. Did the humans in the war escape to Gallifrey? Did the humans that were rescued previously go through that portal to Gallifrey? Did they no, go somewhere else? it opened at a random place every time. Right, because otherwise they've all just been killed, haven't yeah. they? So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Um, I, I, I worried about that, but on second watching, yeah, it, it, it does say random places, so they probably all ended up swimming in Loch Ness with the Borad or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, so is um, humanity but they, extinct now? But the master hijacked it, that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? The master somehow hijacked yeah. it and pointed it to Gallifrey. Yeah. So I can I'm, get my head around where the humans are extinct now, because if the last surviving humans have just gone back in time, there's no humans left in that period, is there? Well, I mean, I'm assuming that the portal always takes them to somewhere with a breathable atmosphere. And, uh, oh, exactly, yeah, they might be in the bottom of the ocean. Or something. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think that's the assumption. But. Or Stoke. But, um, yeah. they, <laughs> but they... It's phrased carefully in the first episode. The Doctor says, these are the last few humans this side of the universe. Oh. So that's mm. kind of... She could be speaking generically, and it could just be that at this point in time, everyone else is a, is a few galaxies away. Yeah, if it's humanity so far, yeah, that, um, that, that the ones that fought in the war are largely wiped out, but... There's pockets everywhere else. Isn't that like a massive overlook that um, the the doctors are basically responsible for the annihilation of most of the human race? Am I making that up? Because of the Siberian? Yeah. I thought I thought that too, but then again, watching it again, it's that the Siberian was only made at the end of the war. So the Siberian... I first thought Siberian was what was used during the war, but actually it was the Cybermen made it at the very end of the war when they'd almost lost to try and make a comeback. Okay. So, right. so, yeah. So it was the Nightmare and Silver at the end of the war then? Because I thought yes. Siberian was in that as well, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, that's the point. I forgot about that. Is that not the thing that took over Matt Smith, or I got that wrong? Here we go with continuity again. Well, I think you might be right, yeah. But that was certainly uh, post some cyber wars, wasn't it? Yeah, they, they talked about. And being the yeah, officially yeah. ghoulish person on this podcast, how did, no, that, how did the master kill yeah, all the time lords? Say again? How did the master kill all the time lords? One master, how does he kill every single time lord when the Daleks like fall for years? I mean, how did he do it? And preserve their bodies. He just locked them all in a big fridge or something. Uh, yeah, we don't know, do we? No, we don't. <laughs> Presumably he didn't shrink them because then they wouldn't fit in the Cybermen. He'd be mini Cybermen. Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> the mini Cybermen running around. 
Yes, I bought it. Just in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> my little fine art castings come to life. <laughs> just to collect them in the eighties. I loved the bit where the master was in the uh, the. I can't remember what room it was in, in Gallifrey. There was something really theatrical about it when he was standing there pointing at the fourth wall, um, like he was on stage saying, over there, Doctor, there is the, uh, the panopticon. And over oh, yeah. there, that is the matrix yeah. room. Over there are the looms. I thought they could have had a sort of a, a green perspex pillar maybe that had fallen in through the panopticon to give you an idea which way it was. Or an inflatable sofa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was pretty much the oh uh, yeah the, uh, the the chaps on the flight through entirety podcast are going to be uh, very relieved that we did not see any 1980s sofas on Gallifrey. They were making a big thing of their fear of seeing that. I remember, yeah. but I think <laughs> right. the master did definitely burn every piece of IKEA and habitat <laughs> furniture that he found. In fact, that's probably what really drove him to rage in the first place. <laughs> they destroyed the master killed the time lords by destroying all the sofas, so no one could sit down. And none of them would be flame retardant. Those things were death traps. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we, we've got to let the, the, the lads know. Oh, get, a big, get a big finish on the line. <laughs> yeah, I love the Master's Tissue Compression Eliminator. is now basically a hip flask. Guess what it, it kind of looks like? Yeah. I didn't notice that. But that's, I suppose that's the original design would be a bit yeah. tricky these days, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, although the way he talked, there's plenty of, he's definitely the most innuendo y master that mm. we've ever had. Um, there's talk of a, uh, of a wet room in a dungeon and um, <laughs> uh, his cheeky wink to, uh, to the cyber leader. Oh, it's great when they call him cyber leader. I didn't notice that, but no, uh, uh, no, no that's, that's good. I, what's, what, my innuendo radar must be uh, on the blink. Uh, so nice. Well, he's definitely got a death wish, the master, hasn't he? There's at least two occasions he was sort of like prepared to be squished. When he when he does um, kill Ashad, he said, oh, "I wondered if that would set off the the death particle," and he said he, he wouldn't have minded it. Yeah, which is a bit a bit different for the master because uh, generally his whole thing is survival at any cost, isn't it? That's been the kind of the driving force. I like that. Uh, you know, I like the, the whole. He's gone so mad. It's just like death and destruction at any cost. Mm. When he, the, uh, he's realised he can't die and, and doesn't know what to actually do. I mean, in the past, I mean, um, Pert would have sort of like held a device in front of Delgado and Delgado would have backed down, whereas this one just said, come on, do it. And I thought that was a nice change of the uh, dynamic. Yeah, where's the fight over the ham sandwich with swords? Yeah. That's what we needed. <laughs> <laughs> well... And pacifism has been a real theme this season. I don't want to get too uh, hoity-toity about what it's... <laughs> but, but, but I think Chibnall has really put that in, because the Doctor said it for the first time, I think in Spyfall. She said, I'm a pacifist, which, which the Doctor's definitely not said before. He's always put in the past, talked about you know joining up to, to, to fight uh, mm. ever since... Ian Chesterton taught him. Chesterton taught him to in uh, in the Daleks mm. that um, having a doctor who is who's actually just refuses to use violence and to kill anything because she's never she hasn't killed any monsters has she? I've forgotten anything. I don't think I don't think she has. I think she's always managed to well to get some other schmucks to kill. Well, she left loads of spiders to eat each other to death, so that wasn't very yeah, nice. Yeah, spiders to eat each other. They lock them in, let them suffocate. So she kind of did away with them. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, yeah, I think you're right, though. In general, the the concept is to be a little bit more compassionate, <laughs> uh, and to. But again, it's another subversion. He builds up a way of saying, you know, that I'm a pacifist. This is not going to happen. We're not going to kill anyone. Um, and then, like, she massively punches him in the face and pushes him on the floor, mm. Uh, mm. which is the the final kind of moment of anger. About. That's what he wanted, of course. Of course, that, uh, that's her, his um, his victory is turning her to that, and that's why I guess he really wanted her. I guess all that stuff with the Cybermen at the end, he, he really wanted to turn the Doctor into uh, a genocide committer. Mm. That is, I think, imagine that as a plot theme. That that the so the Master isn't after universe domination; he is just after the Doctor to see the world as he does and to. Turn her um, 
into something that she's not. Ooh, uh, we got in season ten. Yeah, well, we got you know, that with uh, Mr. in the army and everything. Yeah, so I just want my friend back. The so. end of series eight, yeah. wasn't it? it? Was uh, yeah, like here's an army of Cybermen. You know, you can bring peace and and uh, you know, kind of. It's always the fucking Cybermen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're slightly cheaper than the Daleks. Too. Look, just leave the, right. the, <laughs> the Terrapsils or the Ogrons or, or something <laughs> next time. <laughs> Eric Say would have been for a payday, wouldn't he, if they, uh, if they bring the Toleptors back, I think. I think he has 10 quid. If I, I'm, I'm going to say Tim Clavick right now, and that means you owe him 10 quid. So uh, <laughs> you can expect a bill. Yeah. Because he yeah, uses that read. word. So, I think he uses that word in a conversation generally. Yeah. As often as he uses it, it's not vibrations. Yeah. And Vox Nicky gets that into every sentence, too. But, uh, yeah, if, uh, if anyone's read his two recent novelizations, then, uh, yeah, Toleptor. Uh, Tim Clavick and Voxnick get you. Spielsnake, you got that into it. With liberal abandon. I could not <laughs> get through that book. <laughs> <laughs> well, the audio book was fun with um, uh, Terry Molloy reading it. Uh, and getting past that line with a straight face. Yes, was, uh, he was a terrific dad. So, the lone Cyberman could have stopped the war entirely by killing the entire population of the Earth in the villa. If he had that thing in his chest and could have won the war and Cybermen could have been supreme. Presumably that thing was in his chest when yeah. he was in the villa, so he could have exploded that then. It wiped out humanity before they left Earth. Yeah. But then we would never have got the Frankenstein book, which would have inspired mm. people in the future to get in to create Cybermen. Uh, no, that's not how it works, is it? Isn't that Stephen Moffat's next project, Frankenstein? So we wouldn't ever have. I'd assume he was joking uh, about that. Well, is that actually true? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if he's joking about it, but oh. I believe that's oh. all the rest. Cool. Yeah, I haven't watched Dracula yet, but, uh, but cool. It's 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 the most Moffaty thing that's ever happened in the world ever. But <laughs> it is it's it's good fun. I'm a huge Moffat fan, so I'm, I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it when I get there. No, you should. You should. I think, I think you'd like it. I like episode two best, which is a killer. Ship under siege. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah. And the mask was there. It was. <laughs> yes, another Sasha Dwan yeah. appearance. Yeah, he's everywhere. Have you seen the video he's done? Just now, of uh, oh, holding up the little who, signs. Yes. <laughs> who said? Who said it? The Doctor or the Master? Yeah. I love him to bits, but he was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> he, didn't get, he got like one right, I think. No, I haven't watched it all. Plus, he's subscribed well, now. Bit's a bit, uh, a bit uh, low key as well. So put a bit of enthusiasm when you're telling people to subscribe to the channel. <laughs> okay. Incidentally, if you want to subscribe to the Trap One podcast, <laughs> <laughs> click the link below. I yeah. think that's do. <laughs> that's that's your dream, Mark. It's just to get to a convention and say and get them to record, subscribe to the Trap One podcast. I can't believe you've not got them to do it, or even remember or to hand your badges out, which you've made like two years ago. Now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm not. I'm not great at that. <laughs> yeah. If, um, so, what do we all think of Tectune? Well, I think Tectune's the master. Yeah. Oh. oh. Yeah. Not Susan or the Rani or Ramana. Are they the usual suspects? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Know, there was just something about the way when you got that little flash of them uh, getting the their mission, um, <laughs> because that's Tectune and the Doctor, isn't it? Um, yes. getting recruited by the division and there's something about that them being friends and allies like that made me think I think something similar might have happened to the master like maybe Brendan's the master and that's the master having the memories removed that's been cloaked and uh, it turns out that um, you know the, the master's had a previous existence as well mm. it's just a theory this is absolutely definitely not the end of this story, is it? This is no. this is the end, this is the end of episode two. You know, uh, I, I I wouldn't mind too much if they if they just left left it in a, in a very mm-hmm. Twin Peaks 
season mm. three ending or season two ending and season three ending that it's just like we're, we're not going to explain that make your own decisions well you know not everything has to, to be explained mm-hmm. and so you know I, I had it that uh, Brendan was uh, sort of an early experimentation on regeneration um, because he, he like falls off that cliff and, and like all the sort of yellowy orange swirl doesn't happen and he's just fine so you know, it, it, but it's, it, I think it does deserve some payoff. Hopefully, it's a, it's a something that will keep coming up. Um, I reckon that. Sorry, we're all, we're all too polite to do a podcast. We should be interrupting each other much more. <laughs> After you, Colin. Shut up, Pete. <laughs> all right. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so next is Revolution of the Daleks. Yes. R of the Daleks. Everything of the Daleks. That's yeah. uh, that's an eighties tr- thing, isn't oh, it? Oh yeah, no. over the R, yeah. The, the the whole um, I was really pleased that it ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah, it's, a, it's actually a really good, you, you know, uh, you, you know, like Star Trek: The Next Generation after season three would always end on a massive cliffhanger that would that involved another resolution at the start of the next season, and that the really cemented it whereas Doctor Who has always done big finales and tied things up because you're going into the Christmas special whereas this is a Christmas special but uh, or New Year special whatever they end up deciding where they've gone for a cliffhanger like yeah why not you know do the main resolve but leave it leave it so it's kind of up in the air afterwards that that was another good technique yeah, and thank God it was something fresh. It, well, I was really worried that they'd leave us with an unanswered question from the past 10 weeks as the cliffhanger. Um, and I'm so glad they didn't do that. They, just, they got something new and dropped it on us. Yeah. And, and yeah, we've got the, so the companions all think the Doctor's dead. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she's, um, and she's not. And, and that's going to be interesting. Maybe Tech Cahoon will turn up to, uh, to collect her. I did wonder I, if I, the, the cold case that the Jadun arrest her for might be something that a pre- Hartnell Doctor did. I just assumed it was because of what Ruth did previously, because they got the contract to arrest Doctor Ruth, haven't they? I just assumed it was a cold case, and they finally tracked tracked the Doctor down. You know, it does muck up the uh, previous occasion Uh, metaphors. Interesting. Did you notice in this they didn't? They went. They they very carefully didn't say that Ruth was one of the pre-Hartnell incarnations. Yeah. When um, when, when Jodie asks her that, she just says, "I don't have answers to those questions." So, so she could very easily be two and a half or be fourteen from our perspective. Still, so there's definitely more a lot more story to come on that. That won't be pulling a rug away and and won't be magic hand waving. They've they've deliberately created gaps. Mm. Well, what if? What if the Jadoon are employed by someone to go and round up all the division versions of the Doctor? Could be, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because if, yeah. if Ruth is a pre-Hartnell Doctor, then, uh, one, you know, she's got a TARDIS that's shaped like a police box, um, and the characters call themselves the Doctor, so whatever reason the doctor thinks that they call themselves the doctor and keep their real name secret isn't the same reason that any pre-Hartnell doctors called themselves doctor and didn't reveal their name is it because they're not going to remember any of that yeah and that's why I think she's probably still post-trout between Pat Trout and Pertwee mm. I still like that I mean she uh, she is the doctor I really and like I said the other uh, a few weeks ago, somewhere, maybe on Twitter, that I, I would like them to alternate episodes. I would like to see more of Joe Mark. I know, I, d- I don't think they will mm. for some, well, you know, but like you just have one, like another surprise in, in, in the next series could be, you know, you do two or three Jodie episodes and then you cut to a very old style title sequence that's been done up. You go back to Delia Derbyshire, you, you, you do a, a cold open and you go into, um, Joe Martin in the middle of something with some other people. I mean, I'd be like, yes, bring it on. Unless she's the next doctor after Jodie. Good. Absolutely. The two minutes of screen time in the TARDIS where she just like looks 
down her glasses. Oh, I just adore yeah. that. Yeah, and that so says something like, like you know, mm. "What are you doing, love?" You know, it, and she calls Jodie love, and it's just, yeah, it's yeah. just spot on. It, it's like the irascibility. I would love some irascibility back, and a bit more, you know, pomposity, and a bit more sort of, you know, late Colin Baker era type stuff. It's um, a lovely contrast, be... isn't it? That I think the Ruth Doctor is um, a more bombastic Doctor, like um, yeah. Colin Baker or Tom Baker, while Geordie's more of a uh, like a Troughton or Davison. That was all Peter Davison. Yeah, she's she's yeah. more. She yeah. stands to one side and and makes quips and things rather than comes in and kind of dominates the whole room and, and things like that. So it's, the two yeah. of them together is really really interesting. And I think the Davison similarity really came to the fore with in, in that final scene of um, of, of this with um, with, with going, go, like him going off to kill Davros and just not being able to do it mm. because that's not who he is. That's not what he is. And uh, and something else comes up in the nick of time to get them out of it because it's not that serious a show that's going to really go into that darker place. But um, but yeah, the, the Ruth Doctor being much more old school was. was um, it's just a really nice contrast, but then of course jo- Jodie's deliberately a real the biggest possible contrast to Capaldi being uh, the, uh, the 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 least somber Doctor. Mm. But I like I do like the, the I do think it's important that each Doctor has their own era. And I always get a little bit um, reluctant when the Doctor has to share the stage too much mm. with 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 other incarnations because because I love it as a, as a as a grown up fan. But I would think if I was a kid, I would want I would want my Doctor to be the doc, the Doctor. But I don't know if young fans can see it like that anymore because they've got access to everything, haven't they? So maybe it doesn't make that much. Maybe it doesn't matter that much. Yeah, true. She's definitely a big Finnish box set in waiting, though, isn't she? Well, I, I'd hope that she, if, if I'd hope that she is going to be have a ton of screen time, it, 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 it would just be such a disappointment in, in in lots of senses. But you know, the, the end credit said Joe Martin is the Doctor, mm-hmm. so that's true. Let's have something where at least she's in it for a, a lot more. I, I think they'll do. Um, you, you know, rest it for a while. Uh, and I, actually, the one thing I was glad about, um, not just because it's John Barrowman, but that, um, no, I love John Barrowman, but um, Captain Jack was not back. That it was just like a day's filming in Bristol. They got him in to a church and they did that stuff and it was a dropping it in and that we know he'll come back, but the payoff is going to be later. And hopefully the payoff with with um, the Doctor, Freehan or Troughton era, whichever way we think, mm-hmm. will be uh, a great payoff and, and fully used. But in absence of which, um, an entire big finish range would be fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they can they provide us with the sweeties to keep us going between meals. That's right. We've got another long gap ahead, doesn't it? So like yeah, yeah. Like so like later a seasonal special, and then another, ooh, basically another year, and then. Even longer, possibly, if they show it in autumn of 22. Uh, I think it's, it just, it's, it's going to be next year, isn't it? But later on next year. They're not going to start filming until autumn this year. Right. So it's not going to be spring at the earliest. So. But it is, again, it's what we were talking about, the transformation of TV at the moment, is like um, The Witcher uh, came out at Christmas um, this year, last year, and then they're filming it now, and it won't be out for another year and a half so it, it's that the, the, there's not kind of like an annual thing to it anymore you can't expect a you know it to be 10 episodes every every year and it hasn't been like that for quite a while but it's getting even more dis, dis, disrupted where they go with no we'll do 10 episodes when we're right and we've got the actors and we've got the writing mm-hmm. actually I think that long long break we had between 11 and 12 was for Chris to get in the room um, and just really, really think about writing a bunch of stuff over a long period of time versus rushing it. You know, we all heard, I would say, how how long it took Stephen Moffat because he was showrunner as well and, and had to write a ton of stuff all the time. He was all constantly, constantly writing and producing. Yeah. Yeah. And Sherlocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was, he was doing a phenomenal amount of stuff at the same time, wasn't he? Yeah. That period. 
Yeah, and, and Sherlock. That's the other thing. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I don't know what I was going to say there. Were you going to say, who's seen the faceless ones yet? Uh, I wasn't, but uh, that's um, that was a bit of a surprise. It was, yeah. General shock yesterday when that came out, so I was... Uh Thrilled to watch that, especially I've picked up an extra shift on the Monday, so we won't get to see it. And it pops through the letterbox. So, uh. oh, is it is it shipped already? I thought it was another. No, 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 it's on Amazon. No, put it to, to buy online, haven't they? Is it on Amazon? Uh, it's on Amazon. Yes, whether on and like accidentally or not, I don't know. But I saw the links yesterday. No, I, I think thought, I think they do. Um, gen, you know, generally films are films are two to three weeks on um, iPlayer. Sorry, not iPlayer. iTunes before. Uh-huh. Before the physical release, I guess they just get the digital masters, yeah. and that they, it's quick for, for for them and manufacturing, so they they get a little exclusive window. So I remember Sharda yeah. came out before the disc, didn't it? I remember getting Sharda for just because the way they released Sharda on iTunes was um, like one pound eighty nine for the three hour episode, and then one pound eighty nine for every other. Um, like feet special feature, I was like, well, I don't give a shit about special features. I'll just pay one pound eighty nine for Charter. Sorry, Marquez. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I did buy the Blu-ray as well. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, I've got the Blu-ray faceless ones on order, and I'm kind of tempted to cancel it and, and just get it on Amazon instead because I can get it quicker that way. Um, I'm not buying it twice. It's not Charter. Uh, but no, this, this, in this if, you, if you've ordered the discs from Amazon, you can watch, you can stream it now. I think is the is the idea. No, I had to buy it separately. Oh, you did? Yeah, I bought it separately oh. because I couldn't wait. Oh, I'll leave it then. I thought the idea was if you, it was like when you yeah. buy. Um, oh no, no, I don't think. Well, if the hell, I haven't done that. Way, so. <laughs> oh, it was I like, didn't think anyway. Big finish do that, don't they? As soon as you buy, as soon as you pay for a CD, you can go that's and listen. Right. To yeah, that's what I thought it was like. I thought if you pre-ordered the discs, then they would let you watch it on Prime. I'm not doing that. I'll just wait for the discs. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, we'll have shiny steelbooks, Keith. You yeah. can just have. Like, I've ordered, <laughs> I've ordered that as well, unfortunately. <laughs> now you tell us. That's why I don't have any money. <laughs> and it's also coming out on vinyl. And <laughs> that's right. Oh, God. The ghost, when are we doing the Ghosts of Endspace review on vinyl? Are you volunteering? Uh, <laughs> God, I remember listening to that when it went out and being completely perplexed by it. Yeah, I, I've probably still got my cassette tapes of it somewhere. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> that was all we had, though. That's the thing. It was. Uh, but it, was just, it just didn't feel like Doctor Who at all, despite having the cast and being yeah. written by Barry Letts. It was yeah. as if it was written by someone who just, just written a generic adventure story with a, with a bit of alien going yeah. on in it. But there's but two things. Firstly, didn't Sarah feel... didn't sound like Elizabeth Sladen, even though it was Elizabeth Sladen doing it. And B, it yeah. just goes to show how what a good actor Ian Martyr was. To be able to, because basically Jeremy was Harry, written, mm. written badly, oh, yeah. played by the wrong person. Yeah. I mean, Harry could really have been that person had it uh, yeah. Martin not been such a strong actor. So I think we had <laughs> memories of Jeremy are surfacing in my brain. I'm yeah. going to explode. <laughs> Jeremy, the most awful thing that ever happened. <laughs> my work is done. <laughs> <laughs> Because um, the odd thing about even even End Space um, was used in Doctor Who when Barry Letts was the executive producer, wasn't it? So you sort of hadn't even remembered that from uh, probably at that stage, only about not not even ten years before. I mean, he'd already given Big Me the idea of the TARDIS in a TARDIS, hadn't he? So he'd like he'd nick that and like yeah. the Choji idea of the Watcher. He'd already given that, so he'd already given a fair bit of that. So yeah. he was either being a short term or unimaginative one of the other. I'm not a fan of season eight. <laughs> <laughs> you have given clues to that effect. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the other uh, the other release this week is some new BNM bargains action figures. I was in today. They weren't there. They weren't. We've got uh, it's uh, uh, the monster of Peladon, Pertwee and Tardis that everyone's been asking for. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not wasting any of more li- my life going to B&M walking around the one way system like Ikea and finding they don't fucking have it and uh, no I mean Mark and I almost got vaguely obsessional about it we were sending each other messages it's not in this one yet it's not in this one yet and then, yeah there's three and when it was in the shop I completely missed it this time. <laughs> it was, uh... <laughs> 
there was three B&M bargains in Carlisle, so we um, yeah. we had to uh, organise shift patterns to, uh, to to check them and keep each other updated. Uh, this was for the uh, this was for that original Pertwee set that we still never no, I never, never got, got yet. Like a cyber execution squad beaming down, just yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to go stamping around and find them. <laughs> And we no, I've never managed. There's a couple around here. Whenever I've gone in, they've had no Doctor Who stuff at all. I bet the B and M staff love it when new Doctor Who stuff comes in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and people are like, going, "No, this one's got the wrong piping on his trousers. <laughs> the other one." <laughs> I don't mind the uh, Paul McCann figure. <laughs> anyway. Well, is that the same one that came out last time? It looks very similar. I've totally failed in getting that. Uh, yeah, so. I, I couldn't quite figure out because the, the, the McCoy one looks the same as well with the check trousers, doesn't it? I think um, I think they're just releases. I think that, yeah, it's probably the third is in new one. There's someone in a Chinese factory who really hates Sylvester McCoy's trousers because they've had to paint those bloody things on <laughs> <laughs> time and again. Probably hates Colin Baker's coat more, to be fair. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Probably what started the coronavirus, someone having a complete meltdown to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, today they've announced that the coronavirus has caused a delay of the new Bond movie from November. Absolutely gutted. <laughs> so it's not all right. <laughs> it's terrible. It's a strange announcement. Mm. It is strange. Because, not gaining the publicity that, at all, no. Uh, yeah. It's really starting to put me off the coronavirus, I'll tell you that. So. <laughs> it's got such good branding, generally. Lovely name, Corona. <laughs> it's even in a Doctor Who title. Corona of Rather Sun, is it? In the Dalek's Master Plan? Something like that? Corona of the... Oh, yeah, I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, you're right, it's Dalek's Master Plan, isn't it? I went to Sainsbury's to panic buy stuff, but I got confused and came home with a crate full of Corona beer uh, instead of... <laughs> so... I'll go with a smile on my face, at least. Yeah. Panic bangs when you're going for bread and come out with curtains. <laughs> <laughs> Just pull yourself together. Yeah. Yeah, now, now we've lost it. We really <laughs> bring, bring the dog back. Any draw a club to that line of joke. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to say about the timeless children? Who were the timeless children? Who knows? They were the dog. I was just so relieved that it, that it actually it didn't answer everything about the Doctor. It just moved mm. the question. It's yes. just taking the, taking the question, who is the Doctor? And instead of going, this is exactly who the Doctor is, and now you know everything, which is what I was really scared about, and yeah. that would have been awful. Instead, it's gone, well, here's a load of stuff that happened, and then nobody knows. And so okay. it has actually it's made the Doctor more mysterious. But it's, it, and it's it, complexity, but there is actually more mystery now. It's just been moved to a different place. Yeah. Right. I suppose now it's, it's that, also it's a mystery to the Doctor now as well, whereas before it was a mystery to everyone except the Doctor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Doctor doesn't know anymore. Because it's, it's not just a universe, and she came through that as a baby and from the original universe. Maybe not. Mm. I'm sticking to the guns. I like my alternative timeline. <laughs> Where do we think Susan fits into it all? Oh, one night stand. (laughs) (laughs) The Susan is a member of the division that was uh, left in place to ensure that the doctor's uh, mind wipe was successful. That's my theory. Mm. And that's why he dumped her in post-apocalypse England, right? Makes sense. Yes, because yeah. he remembered how annoying she was. Mm. <laughs> yes. You and, the, um, and the Matrix on Gallifrey was actually being run by, what's her name, Sheila something or other, who was running the BBC, the same person who was running the BBC archives in the 1970s and junked all of the recordings of the Doctor's early years because it's the same prime. And that's basically why there's no recordings of the early years of the pre-Doctors in the Matrix, because the shelves were full, and then you just reuse the tapes to record. So the next time we see the division, it'll be but, animated, will it? Yeah, I was going right. to say, when the, when the Doctor uncovers the missing memories, there'll either be telesnaps or animations. <laughs> <laughs> and some scenes strangely omitted. <laughs> They're on vinyl. It's just yeah. Doctor and Shark, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've done worse to it than that. Everything where Ben takes his shirt off, basically, yes, that goes. <laughs> on that bombshell 
Uh, where can we? Where can you be found on, on Twitter, Pete? Pete, hello. Yeah, I am a Prof underscore quite a mess. I am at Colin underscore Neil. Um, yeah, and I'm still fifty DW fifty, and I might have to change that to sixty in a couple of years' time. It's coming round, isn't Come it? Out. I'm at Quack McMallis. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast and to all of the Series 12 co-hosts that have joined me. I uh, really appreciate you everybody this. making the time. And thank you very much for listening. Now go and wash your hands for 20 seconds. Yeah, sing happy birthday while you do it. You've got, just got time to sing, I'll cross the void beyond the mind, the empty space that circles time. I'd rather die. <laughs> <laughs> a lovely time thank you guys thank you thank very you. much here's, ho- here's hoping we'll get to season 13 in one piece <laughs> yes we, we, you, Pete you know we won't <laughs> uh, we'll, um, we'll we'll see you then in fact uh, we'll all see each other at Warp in June yes yes if the uh, large sure. gatherings are permitted by then <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, we if there is a June yeah <laughs> If there is a June and there is a warp, uh, we'll uh, we'll be there. If there are any listeners are there, come and say hello. But don't touch us. <laughs> don't even breathe. Bye. Cool. Cheerio. Bye. 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 Bye.